Six Strings Podcast with your host, Sean Six. This is Sean Six from Six Strings, and I have a special guest in the studio. I have a, uh, a, a local friend, a local musician by the name of Ben Cody. He has a band called the Ben Cody Band. Does anybody in the band actually give you crap for that by calling it your name? Uh, kind of. Actually... I wasn't the one who named it that. Uh, it was actually the drummer, the original drummer of the band, uh, Sam Mogul, who's back in, when it formed back in 2014. He was the one that said, why don't you call it the Ben Cody Band? Because, uh, you know, I'd gone through, I'm sure every musician, local musician knows what it's like to form a band, play a gig or two, maybe record a few songs, then the band breaks up, then you're going to go do it again in another band, right. and you go through all these different lineups just by different names and and the whole logic behind is well you know if i call it the ben cody band if you never have I to lo- worry about changing the name exactly if i lose a bass player well you know it still has the identity and so far it's worked because i've gone through many band members <laughs> you you've had you've had a fairly de- even the amount of time that i've known you mm-hmm. you've had a, a little bit of a an open door policy i think would be the best way to put it and the interesting thing about it is that you're a berkeley grad you actually work at berkeley now yes which is amazing um but the band kind of kind of spurred out of that group of musicians that kind of circulated in and out of those hallowed halls so to speak so you've had an opportunity to have like a really fruitful place to get musicians to be in your band. Too. Oh yeah, and it, it was great. Um, you know, I still use Berkeley for if I if I need a bass player or, or something <laughs> like that. You know, it's it's a, such a great uh, well of musicians, and and because the, the band formed kind of at the beginning of my Berkeley career was you know my first semester there definitely kind of took on that vibe of you know like you said a rotating door because right. you know Berkeley everyone's kind of playing with everyone else, and you know you have people graduate or people just end up leaving for whatever reason, and a lot of times that you know involves them leaving this region so you kind of have to it's like it's like the new england patriots you know next guy up you know do your job so when you started off doing this obviously you've always been a huge music fan you've played guitar for a long time even before you went to berkeley oh yeah Um, i was 14 when i started playing you you had a a a very rich uh musical upbringing Uh, your dad influenced you on a lot of different types of music too right oh yeah well i discovered i found my dad's uh van halen 5150 in 1984 albums when i was probably about 12 13 and uh just being a kid you know in the mid growing up in you know mid 2000s it's like there was no bands doing that right on the i mean you know the musitianship of of, of that band so there was no van there was no eddie van halen doing any of that no of not at, at all point. and then it, that's kind of it was like a domino effect you know i discovered aerosmith and then zeppelin and Jimi hendrix and and all those you know so we can bands. blame all of what you're doing now on van halen yeah yeah that's, that's definitely <laughs> safe to say <laughs> there's been a lot of things that van halen's been blamed for but i think this one we can actually say turned out pretty well so we'll see yeah so far so good i guess <laughs> <laughs> this life starts off of you getting you know inspired or, or getting hooked on that style of music that style of guitar play has there been other interest as far as say genres or particular uh, stylistically speaking as far as guitar too uh well berkeley is a jazz school and the joke i always say is well i learned a jazz song once when i was there because i had to i mean i'd never I, I have a lot of respect for jazz you know it's obviously the ultimate music form but i just i could not uh just connect with it on like an emotional level to it really wasn't your it. interest yeah. so to speak yeah but i mean i got really i'm still really into you know the the blues and kind of you know the kind of the blues obviously gave birth to rock and roll so right. i mean really the the delta blues like robert johnson like from the 30s and 40s like that there's some real uh mojo in, in, in those old recordings so that, that's 
it's, it's got it's got a real swagger to it. Now you're starting to sound like Joe Perry. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, you know, a lot of those musicians, and it is really kind of interesting that you navigated to that particular style of music and that particular feeling of guitar playing because a lot of the style of music that you can see and hear in your playing, those rock bands were inspired by that style of music, that blues, that southern blues kind of bayou type stuff. You think about Aerosmith, think about Van Halen, uh, you know, even looking at you know, bands from the UK, even looking at bands like, say, the Rolling Stones, looking at Keith Richards, the way he plays, very blues-oriented. That's what they grew up listening to. Oh, yeah, to. But that was the British Invasion that kind of took Correct. the blues and revamped it and sent it back. But, I mean, I think part of the reason why I got into that was because I was kind of going backwards. You know, first I discovered Eddie, and then, you know, Eddie was always talking about how his guy was Clapton. Right. So I started listening to Clapton because... Eddie listened to him, and then I got really into Clapton, and then, you know, obviously Joe Perry and, and, you know, guys like that I was listening to already, and then it's like, all right, what, what was their influences? Well, that was B.B. King, you know, yeah. the, where, where did he get his influences? And then you go back, you know, you Chuck Berry, and then Robert Johnson, you kind of work your way back. and it, It's like you kind of deconstruct it almost. Kind of, yeah, yeah, and and actually, my first ever guitar teacher, uh, his name was Brandon Durham, I mean, he really got me where I am now, uh, he was the one that told me when I first... You know, I was 14 year old, didn't know anything about it. You know, I, I want to play. Right. Like, I want to play like Joe Perry. I want to play like Eddie Van Halen. He's like, well, if you want to learn how to play rock and roll, you got to learn to play the blues first. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be sound advice for a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> so you have this interest starting out as a teenager, uh, probably even before that, because I'm sure you probably heard music around the house and you just didn't realize that it was, uh, you know, flavoring your mindset. Oh, yeah, to a scorpions, poison, you know. So you go on from there. Uh, you pick up this uh, instrument that a lot of people uh, think. Thinks, uh, might potentially ruin lives because it, it would kind of lead you away from what most people consider a fruitful career. But then you go to Berkeley. You have a wonderful time at Berkeley. It's amazing, uh, which it is for a lot of people. You meet a lot of cool people there, a lot of very influential people there, and you start this band. But one of the things beside this band that, you know, kind of spinning off from that Berkeley crowd, you kind of have to navigate the waters of the Boston area. Oh, yeah. Okay. Boston's had a very rich musical culture because of schools like Berkeley, but just in general. That hasn't always been easy, has it? No. No, not at all. And um, I mean, I was definitely at a little bit of an advantage, you know, growing up in central Massachusetts. Right. So, I mean, I already kind of had you know, some roots around here. So it was a little bit easier for me just as far as kind of like navigating through. And, and right. Because I've been playing, you know, gigs professionally since I was 15 or 16. Okay. And I was playing, you know, wherever would let me, which back then wasn't a lot, you know, being underage. Right. But, um, you know, all over New England, there's one place in New Hampshire called the Sad Cafe, which is like the only all-ages club at the time that you could play at. And I, I made a lot of, uh, you know, acquaintances, made a lot of good friends uh, early on that are still, you know, in the music scene nowadays professionally. Right. And that kind of carried on through Berkeley. And because I'd say, out of, I'd say maybe 90 to 95% of the gigs I was playing as a Berkeley student, was not with other Berkeley bands. It was outside of Berkeley. Part of that being because I played rock and roll, and a lot of the Berkeley groups don't play rock and roll. I right. was definitely very much a rogue. At <laughs> you were the I, I still am. I mean, I'm, I'm probably the only one wearing a leather jacket at, at Berkeley even now. But um, yeah, so it was definitely uh, very interesting in the Boston scene. Um, very clicky is the. It's not easy. I try to tell people because when I travel to go to different shows or festivals or to interview a band or an artist, when I tell them where I'm from, people are like, oh, that must be great 
you know, living in the Boston area, you know, because it's such a great musical city. What's it like? And I'm like, well, you can see a band play pretty much every night of the week, which you can't see that in L.A. It's only, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. But then again, as great as that is, I try to tell people, yeah, there's 5,000 bands in the Boston area, but they're all good. And a lot of people don't really understand what's negative about that statement. They're like, oh, that must be amazing. I'm like, yeah, ask the people that are in that 5,000 bands what they think of that. It's the competition is staggering. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, I mean, I know... The scene that I was in, um, being rock and roll, a lot of it was kind of the more the underground punk scene. And, you know, artistically, that's great. Uh, on a musical level, it doesn't necessarily have the same... Uh, We're not recreating the wheel on some e- of this Exactly. Yeah. So that was kind of another advantage that I kind of had, you know, kind of being Berkeley schooled and kind of going right. into, you know, these bills with bands that were playing three or four chords in an attitude. Right. And obviously we'd stand out, I mean, for better or for worse. There was, there's definitely been some gigs where, you know... Even though we're much different, it's not necessarily different in a good way for right. some of them. That's just something you got to just roll with, and, and you got to finally kind of find your, your crowd and find your place. You also came in at a really good point, too, because about the time that you were coming through the Berkeley cycle and playing professionally in the area as a, a young up-and-coming artist, we weren't overly rock and roll or hard rock and roll motivated in the area. There was a lot of indie alt. There was a lot of shoegazers. There was a lot of stuff that uh, some people refer to as a little more artsy-fartsy, not quite as bombastic as... It still is that way. Yeah. Uh, Actually, we had this one show kind of recently over the summer um, playing at McGann's Pub, okay. uh, right by the garden, and every band, not that it was bad, but every band was that shoegazer. You right. know, they have the button-up shirts and seventeen the, pedals, and, the, yeah, and they don't their, use but two of them. Guitar up like the Beatles, and uh, and my band is kind of sitting there, like you know, this crowd. They have no idea what's going to hit them. We, we get up there, and you know, <laughs> it's this loud rock and roll. It's my Les Paul into an amp, and and you could just tell that <laughs> they just don't really know. It's like it was like Marty McFly. You and, caught uh, him off Back guard. Yeah, he's playing Johnny Be Good. So. Obviously, since you kind of maybe uh, skated the the negative aspects of that fodder that we have in this area, uh, it's turned out well for you in a certain aspect, too, because you've gotten a lot of attention. You have a new EP that's releasing on the 22nd of this month. That's right, yes. But that isn't the first thing that you've done. You've had other recordings, too. So Yeah, and... and- well, going into Berkeley, well, first of all, for the first point, I mean, my intention was always to, all right, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, and I'm going to stand out. To hell with out. the system. And, yeah. yeah, and the, the way I looked at it was, you know, at, at Berkeley, it's like, all right, you have 500 jazz guitar players, or probably not 500, but, you know, you have all these jazz guitar players here. You know, good luck to them competing with each other for the gig. It's right. like, I'm going to be the rock guy, and when, right. when the rock gig comes, you know, here I am. You got it. And, uh, you know, that definitely did a lot for me, and I, I think some of that probably attributed to my position there now but um yes and we'll we'll, we'll it, mention that you it, you work at berkeley now yes yeah i'm very very fortunate very grateful for that but um yeah and, and going to berkeley I'm like, all right this is what i'm gonna do and you know I, berkeley that was probably some of the best years of my life going there was also probably the toughest because it's just so much work right. um just in many aspects and I was just dedicated to be like, all right, you know, I'm going to be working on my schoolwork, but at the same time, this is a career opportunity for me. I, I can still be doing things professionally while right. I'm there. So uh, we recorded our first EP was uh, the summer after my first year at Berkeley was finished with uh, Dave Minahan at Willie Man Sound in Waltham. And then uh, the following winter, we recorded uh, our first full-length album, which was Tight Jeans and Sunglasses. That was 2016. And then um, we had a single the following summer, 
featuring Dan Whitelock on vocals with a music video for that. And then uh, the summer of 2018 was we did the Get Your Licks In record with Correct. several music videos. So we recorded a lot. And then uh, this whole past year after I graduated, I kind of tried this new uh, release model of instead of doing an album at the beginning of the year and trying to uh, promote that, you know, us, us millennials, which I'm guilty of it too, <laughs> have the attention span of a squirrel. And, you know, I was trying more of almost like the, the modern kind of hip hop uh, release where I'd do a single a month. Do a single, yeah. Try to do a music video for that or do a music video every other month. And uh, that was going strong till, uh, till about August. And then once I got the position at Berkeley, kind of uh, I fell behind a little bit on releasing music because I've also been producing uh, everything everything we've released in 2019 i've produced it i've engineered it i've mixed it i've uh, mastered most of it uh, all on my own but that's why i'm doing the ep now on october 22nd to kind of make up for all right i missed a month so for, for all of our fans and friends out there here's the, and, and the ti- and the title of the ep the title uh yes it's to kind of set the record straight uh, it's pronounced cody because I know a lot of people think it's coat, and it's like people. That was funny. It's funny when I saw that too. I was like, "Do people really have a hard time pronouncing the the last name Cody?" Like I, 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 I never thought that that would be an issue. Oh, you were one of the few people that have ever pronounced it correctly. <laughs> it's always been coat, always. Actually, there's there this one time when I did uh, the Berkeley guitar sessions when I was I think 16. This was back 2011. Um, and back then, which is for anyone that doesn't know, it's the the week long uh, thing for high school students to kind of get the kind of crash course of what Berkeley's right. like. And I, I got a scholarship to go there uh, for that. So when I went, and back then, I don't, they don't do it anymore, but they used to read out the scholarships in the Berkeley Performance Center at the end of the week. And the person who was working for Berkeley uh, pronounced my name Ben Cole. Cole. Cole, yeah. And, and I, was, I wasn't too happy about it. I'm like, man, like Berkeley College of Music, they can't even... Uh, <laughs> he, he, he couldn't let alone say it right based on how it's spelled, but even then he had to like put a whole another letter in there as well. Yeah, and, and then after after that, I was I was walking outside. I was on Mass Ave afterwards, and I had my guitar case. And like I said, I've been gigging since I was like 15, 16, so right. I always write my name on all my guitar cases. So it said Smart. Ben Cody. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, Ben Cody on it. This is before Ben Cody banned. And there was a homeless guy sitting on, on the side side of Mass Ave. And I'm walking by, and he goes, Ben Cody. And I'm thinking... This homeless guy. Can the homeless it guy got correctly, it, but the school and then, didn't. And then the school did. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, in in most places, you would say, "Oh, that homeless guy, bet he's a musician." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's really kind of interesting because I think a lot of people assume maybe we're just jaded in this area that when we see people that go to Berkeley a lot, we think, okay. If they're not taking a music business program or music management program or something along those lines, if they're taking performance, they're probably going to be underemployed at one time or another. And that's our perception of anything that's involved with the arts. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I went to a fine arts program in college. That's, That's what I went to school for. So I completely understand this mentality. But the thing of it is, is that not only have you made it a practicing career path by, I mean, you've put out more albums, you put out more product than most bands that I know that have been signed to a major label for five years. For me, that's just, that's my job. You know, it's, right. it's about new music and I've kind of really tried to establish myself as a songwriter. 
over anything else, you know. And actually, part of that was from Dave Minahan. He, he really, I was so fortunate to not only be able to to work with him and record with him, but to be able to do it while I was in school for Berkeley, because he was right. kind of like my other Berkeley professor that that wasn't a Berkeley professor, because right. I learned just as much from him as I did from from all my teachers at school. And he was one that told me after the first time recording there. Um, at that point, I just was trying to be this, you know, gunslinging, you know, shredder. Yeah, you wanted to be the epitome of of you know guitar based rock. Yeah, I was, I was trying yeah. to be Eddie Van Halen and. Um, yeah. And he was one who was like, you know, he's like, don't try to be the best guitar player. He's like, there's a lot of great guitar players. There's not a lot of great songwriters. He's like, focus on songwriting, he said, and then merge them together. And, and that's what I'm still kind of striving to do. I mean, I feel like I'm getting closer every record, but I still have a long way to, to go with it. Well, obviously, that's a that's a, a lifelong process oh, yeah. by doing something like that. Now, not only do you have these recordings underneath your belt so far, you have this EP that's releasing on the 22nd, but you just recently won an award for a video. Now, I, this is going to date me by a lot. I remember I grew up on the, the MTV era. Uh, that's my age range. So it still baffles me at this point now that people are still doing videos. And I keep thinking, well, they don't play videos on TV anymore. But the thing of it is, is it's YouTube. So That's, um, that's what I'm, I say. MTV is alive and well. It's just called YouTube. It's called YouTube. Yeah. So you did this and you won an award for a um, a group called WooTube, which is based out of the Worcester area. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and this isn't your first time winning either, is it? No, this is the second year that, that we won. We won last year for a Get Your Licks In video. And this year was for 976, which we released uh, actually on Valentine's Day of, Valentine's of this year. Day. Yeah, which was, I don't want to spoil it, but if you watch the video, it's it's... The irony of us releasing on Valentine's. It's a, it's a romantically uh, inspired. Uh, well, it's called nine seven six, and it's about the nine seven six phone numbers. And I guess I'll leave it at that. I don't know how, how much I can say on the radio, but <laughs> that, you know, uh, I think it's great that you know you've had this opportunity because I have this conversation, like, and I I kind of touched on this earlier with a lot of people that this is not an easy career choice by any means whatsoever. Um, no. I'm I'm surprised your dad did not strongly encourage you not to do this i'm surprised too <laughs> no my, my parents said that uh you know i'm very very fortunate very blessed and my parents have been so supportive uh through all of this you know, but it, since i was a kid they said i can do whatever i want as long as i go to college so you know and and that's that's really kind of a testament to the fact that uh, you have a tremendous amount of drive to stick with this because a lot of people will drop off from this stuff after a while. They'll get through Berkeley, they'll do the program, um, and they'll come out. They probably did fairly well in Berkeley. And I say Berkeley in general. Obviously, there's other music schools in the country, uh, without a question. Berkeley's the best, though. I, I, I would be inclined, you know, since I live here, I would say that Berkeley is the best, too. But the the fact of the matter is, is that Berkeley does have a very strong reputation, not just nationally, but internationally, as being one of the premier music colleges. So to come out of that with some sort of moniker behind you, a piece of paper, just saying, it'd be like going to any Ivy League college and saying, okay, well, you went to Harvard or MIT or, you know, you know, to BU, BC, whatever, uh, and whatever colleges in other states, because we don't care about those. Um, <laughs> but you have that moniker behind you. But it seems to me that I run into quite a few students that they might have a job somewhere in the music industry, but it has nothing to do with what they went to school for. They really kind of drift hard away from it because I think they realize that the financial gains aren't quite what they thought it was going to be. But you capitalized on something different that I think a lot of them don't really look at. You went back to the place where you were taught and said, I can do just as good here teaching other students. Well, yeah, I mean, I think part of that, you know, again, I think it was a little bit of an advantage. Um, 
because I was from the area and uh, you weren't going home anywhere. But right, right, yeah. yeah. So, so that was some of it. But I mean, you know, most students after they graduate, most alumni after they graduate, move to either L.A. or now it's Nashville. Nashville L.A. Yeah. is kind of full. Yeah. New York's full. L.A. is full now. So now they're going to Nashville. And you know, for me, after I graduated. I still kind of had the blinders on. I'm like, you know, I I, I don't want to go to Nashville and try to audition to be in someone else's band. I want to still have my band. I want to be songwriting. So I'm like, right. you know what? I'm just going to stay here in the area. Um, and then uh, Berkeley really has done so much for me. And, and right after I graduated, Berkeley reached out to me and asked me to come teach for the guitar sessions. Um, right. This was in 2018. So I, I taught there for the past two summers. And then, uh, you know, this the end of this past summer, I became the guitar department coordinator there full time. So that was really a... Phenomenal. It was. I'm. I'm still shocked that it happened, and uh, really, <laughs> really uh, grateful and, and blessed for it. And really, what it is is a testament that the fact that not only did you go there, you did well enough to be there in the first place. You had a certain amount of skill, a certain amount of uh, talent to begin with, a certain amount of drive to be there. But you completed the program, and you still kept your band, and you still stuck behind your mantra saying, I want to have this be my band. I don't want to go someplace else, play for somebody else's stuff, do somebody else's music. You said, well, I want to create on my own. And if you listen to your recordings that you've had, because you've been nice enough to hook me up with some of your music oh, in the past. Absolutely. And the stuff that I can see in listening to your music is that you really haven't wavered all that much. You really kind of stayed with a, a central theme, which is kind of interesting. It wasn't like you were kind of floundering around trying to find your way you you had an idea and you've stuck with it i mean well the first album we did tight jeans that one is kind of a little bit all over the place um to an extent but it's still it's still it's still ben cody band yeah Yeah. um because i was still kind of trying to navigate my way through through uh songwriting and all that but yeah i mean for me it just comes back to you know i i just i just thoroughly enjoy and love the guitar and love playing and and love rock and roll so that's kind of what helped me through all the you know kind of kept my drive you know i mean at Berkeley, like I said, it was an incredible amount of hard work. I think a lot of what happens, you know, with a lot of the students there, you said, end up kind of wavering, is uh, since Berkeley is, is has such weight behind it, especially to get in, it's kind of, I think, a trap that a lot of students fall into is, uh, you know, all right, I got into Berkeley, the hard now part's over. Yeah. Now I can just hang out and party, and, and that's not... So now it's like, trip. all right, you're at Berkeley. Now you got to work even harder. And I think part of my drive too was uh, I I tried to when I, I auditioned for Berkeley, I tried to get into the early acceptance, and I couldn't read music. Cause I, like I said, I, I mean, I, I took lessons, but I was learning just how to play. You a were lot a of play stuff. by ear kind of guy, exactly. And that's I was listening to Van Halen albums and all that, so I didn't get into early acceptance. Berkeley came back saying, no, we're not going to take you, but we'll kind of keep you on the back burner. And, and so then I didn't end up getting in at first, and then come I think it was around May is when they um, said, all right, well actually we are going to take you now we, we look back through uh through it again and we'll take you and th- that kind of that upset me a little bit it's like all right so i kind of felt like i still feel like you know i have kind of something to prove to to everyone with that that's not unlike the the music industry in general is it yeah yeah it, it's kind of interesting because a lot of schools do this in general for people when they get there they of course at that age of your life you think you have everything figured out you you know everything i got a plan i totally can do this blah 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 the first year you're like i had no idea <laughs> And 
yeah, Berkeley really is kind of like that because you said, okay, you know, you get accepted as a student. You think that you can just kind of coast the next four years, but you can't. It's exactly like the music industry in general because a lot of bands think, okay, well, we got on one festival or we did one small tour that was mostly we probably bought onto it anyway. Or maybe we got signed to a small label. Now we're famous. Yeah, now, we're, we're huge. Now I don't have to work anymore. Yeah, we're huge. We can just, we can play rock star and, you know, everything is going to be grand, just like, you know, what we saw on our parents' recordings of MTV on VHS. But that's clearly not the case. The The industry is very aggressive and it will chew you up and spit you out hard. In in my experience so far, the second that I feel like, the second that you feel like you're putting in enough work is the second you have to start doubling it. Correct. And it just gets exponential and it, yeah. it gets harder and harder as you go. And like I said, it's just the fact that I love doing this so much that it's like, all right, you know, if I have to work 10 times harder, all right. Whatever. You've met some really interesting people in the area, some very talented, very connected people. Uh, you also play a particular type of guitar. And I wanted to ask you about this the last time I, I talked to you, but I didn't get a chance. Uh, you play a particular type of custom branded guitar that's from the area, correct? Yes. Seaglass guitars uh, from Lemonster, Massachusetts. Seaglass guitar. We have uh, the BC1 is my, my signature, which is based off of a certain uh, double cut very famous guitar that people know. I'm not going to say the name of it, um, <laughs> but it, but it's a very improved. It's uh, an improved model. version yeah, of it. There's yeah. a lot of a lot of tweaks that Roger, the the, the owner of Seaglass Guitars, uh, designed. I kind of co co designed it with him. Now, is this is this somebody that you had met over time or passing a, a, a uh, mutual actually, friend? Or? I, I met him through uh, my cousin uh, knew his wife and um, he was saying that how you know he, he was been building these. I mean, and he sells these guitars all over. The country it was this right. really boutique uh, yeah. guitar company that I'd never heard of, and my cousin was saying how you know I go to Berkeley and everything, so he kind of started with, "Hey, well, since you go to Berkeley, do you want to just come over and check out some of these guitars?" And I'm, all right, sure, and, and, and you know, it was, it was at a Lemon Stir, so I'm thinking, all right, you know, I didn't really know what to expect, but I'm playing, I'm like, these are phenomenal. I mean, for me, the thing I compare them to a lot is PRS, okay, because it's kind of get that same kind of really right boutique feel, and then from there that turned into, "Hey, your House of Blues show next week, do you mind taking this model and, and playing it for a few songs and see how it sounds?" Live. Yeah, sure, okay. And turned into, I'm going down to the Northeast Guitar Expo in Connecticut. Uh, do you mind coming and playing at my booth for me? Yeah, okay, sure. And then to, do you want a signature model guitar? I'm like, yeah, sure. And, and then it kind of was, well, what do you want? And uh, that's when I'm kind of like, well, you know, I kind of like this style of guitar, but I don't like this about it or this about it. All right, well, you know, give me a couple weeks. And then next thing I know, I'm getting these pictures that he's texting to me of, of and it's like this gorgeous guitar and thinking, right. oh my god and then and then you know it, was, it probably took maybe seven or eight months um, to, to make and um, he's like well it's, it's all set if you want to come pick it up so I, you know I got into things beautiful then I you know I get home and I plug it in and kind of have that moment of all right you know you hope it's going to be yeah okay. it's like it's like you know I hope this is amazing and not just pretty good you know yeah. it, it could be good but it's like and I just plugged it in the first chord it's like this is this is incredible you know and uh, what does that feel like for you when you think okay uh, you know I've spent what I have out of my guitar playing life so far buying guitars and you know because guitar players are crazy about this stuff it's wild to watch guitar players actually look at guitars it's it is the strangest thing ever it's, it's, uh, it's called gas it, it's it, gear acquisition acquisition <laughs> syndrome, syndrome. And, and I suffer heavily from it at one time I had worked for a uh, um, a musical instrument retailer we won't say who it was but and I, I'm not a, I'm not a guitar player so I watch people come in and 
and I watch people literally drool over some of this stuff. And it's quite comical to watch people. I I still do. (laughs) And, you know, and it's especially when it comes to, you know, one-offs or vintage stuff. So when you think about having to buy that stuff or try to acquire it somehow or another, now all of a sudden you have somebody that's making them for you. It still isn't really sunk in. It's still surreal. And then, well, actually, I haven't really announced this yet, but I'll, I'll announce it officially on this show. Is uh, Seaglass and I are working on another model. Um, okay. And uh, people always ask me, what's this one going to be called? Because the first one we called the BC1. What's this one going to be? The BC2? And I'm like, oh, we're not going to talk about it. But I'll, I'll announce it here because uh, okay. I talked to him the other day, actually. He said it should be ready soon. This is going to be called the BC3. BC3. Because it's, it's skipped over the two because it's going to be so uh, groundbreaking. And we, we've taken kind of the best parts of several classic models and kind okay. of throwing them all into to one so it's now now i have to ask this the bc1 that he made for is yellow correct uh well yes yeah, like a, an aged white yellow, okay yeah. for some reason i like that particular color on guitar and i don't know why oh me too that's I, i'm, why, not, sh- that's I'm why. not sure why Actually, it, i just... gave him a picture of ingve malmsteen's strat okay i've always loved that color guitar okay. and i'm like yeah, i want it to be this color now are you going to stick with the same visual look as far as coloring and stuff like that oh, or not at all not oh, at all okay. <laughs> all right all right cool oh, i will say i'm not going to give too much away but i had him beat up the bc1 for me correct it yes looks it really looked, yeah a lot of the road where i put in myself since he but i told him i said you know because i didn't want the pressure of all right a beautiful guitar and putting the, the first nick in it. it's like right. hey, can you beat it up for me but this one it's like i'm going to go completely i think completely the other yeah, way. Yeah. Okay. So you have all this stuff going on. You're, you're you're helping design guitars for this boutique luthier here in Massachusetts. You're releasing EPs, uh, doing videos. You still play out a lot. Yeah. Well, we took a little bit of a hiatus, you know, for about a month or so just because, you know, getting settled in with, with Berkeley. I mean, it's, right. you know, because I'm commuting from Central Mass still, so it's like, you know, 14-hour days. Mass but, bike, um, yeah. Horrible. Oh, oh, horrible. It, awful. Just awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But anyway, um, yeah, so uh, we're going to be back uh, the 25th. 25th, me, okay. Uh, at Chuck's Steakhouse. Actually, okay. This is going to be our, our debut there in okay. uh, Auburn. And then uh, next month, we're going to be uh, playing in Gardner, Massachusetts. But yeah, I mean, this is kind of the, the off season for, for gigging, kind of, so to speak. It, it, it is to, down in, it is to a certain extent. Yeah, obviously, you know, during the summer and stuff like that, that's when people are usually going out more. But I I think I'm more amazed in how in the hell do you even find time to do this? It, it's to, well, I'm also still teaching privately on, on weekends as well. Okay, well, that's even more so but, uh, then. I mean, how? Yeah, it's, it's just, you know, like I I said the second you think you're putting enough work you got to double it and uh i'm just fortunate enough to, to be where i am right now i mean i was stocking the onions in the produce department at hannaford and clinton uh this summer before uh, i got the the job at berkeley and i was in between i was teaching private lessons you know during the week in between shifts at hannaford so uh it's just you gotta do what you gotta do and, uh, <laughs> you understand that you're literally describing a plot line out of an 80s rock video you have no idea right oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's perfect. It really is. It really is. I, mean, I pumped gas for two years when I was 17 to, to buy my first Les Paul. So it's just like, you know, you got to do what you got to do. It's just what it is. Ben, I look forward to the new EP coming out on the 22nd of this month. I look forward to seeing you play out again. I do need to come by Berkeley and creep around campus for a while. Well, and, I'll show and, you my office on, on And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Oh, I and, appreciate you. You're having me on. This is this is great. So and uh, being honest and telling everybody what the uh, the real Boston music scene is like as far as trying to get going. Yeah, so. clicky. <laughs> That's clicky. the word of the day. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right, thank you.